When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to Titan Size Live. I'm Luke Worsham. I apologize for blowing out your eardrums. <laughs> and I'm joined oh, by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. This is our first time doing a live stream, our first time using this software on Blog Talk Radio. So we're just going to try to fumble our way through this. Yeah, this is exciting stuff. It's kind of like we're... We're big time radio people now, which is which is what we what we've been striving for. That's right. That's been our end game the whole time. <laughs> yeah. This so, is the pinnacle. Oh, we we encourage interaction on both Twitter and uh by calling into the show. We have two spots open. You can call in and you'll go on hold and we'll eventually go to you and get your thoughts. On tomorrow's game against the Seattle Seahawks, you can call in at 760-587-4082. That's 760-587-4082. You can get at us on Twitter at Titan underscore sized. And we have a a question of the day. We're going to answer it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then for the the rest of the episode, we're going to leave it open to you guys to answer the question. That question is, if you could pick one non-Titans player to join the Titans, who would it be? I'm going to go with uh, Vaughn Miller on that one, because I think a a difference-making edge rusher would take this team to the next level, for sure. You know what? Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe Khalil Mack or, like, Vaughn Miller, that type of player, but I think I kind of want, like, Patrick Peterson. I just want like a shutdown cornerback uh, because mm. I think just shutting down uh, one side of the field is just really huge for a defense. Um, and considering we still have Arakpo and Derek Morgan, uh, I think I'd rather go for a shutdown cornerback than uh, than another game wrecker on the on the defensive end or outside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the same spot. Like, I was gonna say Marcus Peters because, like, if I if I get a corner, like, I want him to be able to like pick off passes and stuff. Plus, Marcus Peters is really young. Um, that's the only re- reason why I'd go him over Peterson. Um, but if I'm, I mean, let's say everything's even and y'all have already got corner and edge rusher. Like, I'm, I mean, I think the next guy would be like Luke Keekley. I mean, somebody who can just play and finally, you know, solve the tight end and running back dump off issue that we've had for decades in Tennessee and then a guy who can come in and I mean helps every aspect of your game I mean you can't really go wrong with him yeah I'm with you especially if we can cover tight ends which honestly we've been covering tight ends pretty well 
Except Ever for since Jalen like Brown's been in. Yeah, true. true. Perfect deal. Huge. Just... By the way, uh, Pro Football Focus, you can get a $10 subscription to that place uh, for an entire year. And you – well, essentially, you can get a $10 – you can get a subscription to Pro Football Focus for free if you make a $10 deposit on DraftKings, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that was a plug for someone that isn't one of our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> the rare non-played pu- paid plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know free, it's an outstanding uh, product. Free sponsorship. Right. <laughs> Actually, I play on FanDuel, so FanDuel, give me some, give me some cash while I'm at it. Hey, uh, shout out to Bavada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just That's call how I play my fantasy football. <laughs> um, so tomorrow the Seattle Seahawks come into town. Uh, they're one and one, I believe, as are the Titans. Yeah, because they lost to Green Bay in Week One, and they scraped by against San Francisco last week. Mm-hmm. Um, their 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 offense is not very good, but their defense, personnel wise, I think might be just as good as it's ever been. Because when they won their Super Bowl, uh, they had Byron Maxwell, but it, and that's really the only big piece from that defense that's gone. Uh, they still have Bobby Wagner, still have K.J. Wright, Cliff Averill, the defensive backs, Chancellor Sherman, Thomas. And they've added uh, interior guys in Shel- an interior guy in Sheldon Richardson and another edge pass rusher last year in the draft in Frank Clark. What do you guys think about this defense? Is it as good as it's ever been? I think it's better than it's ever been, which might be like a, a hot take because they were so good a couple years ago. Uh, when they uh, when they were the coined the Legion of Boom, um, they're not quite as uh, booming as they used to be. I don't think Cam <laughs> Chancellor's really uh, laying the wood anymore. But uh, anyway, uh, they've added some really nice pieces uh, this off season in uh, in Sheldon Richardson from the Jets. Uh, we know how good he is. We wanted him on the on the Titans. Uh, we wanted the Titans to trade for him, but he wasn't really a, a fit because of his past uh, off the field issues. But and they also added a rookie at a UCF. Uh, he's a cornerback, Shaquille Griffin, uh, and he's been really good uh, so far this season. Um, and he's he's provided a nice uh, a nice deal with Richard Sherman, who's still uh, not as good as not at his peak, but he's still uh, one of the premier cornerbacks in the league. So. Yeah, you saw it through the first two weeks of the season. Um, they really haven't given up many points, and this is going to be a struggle, a defensive struggle for sure uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, the the guy who always has scared me the most is Bobby Wagner. Like, you cannot throw at a cornerback, or you can kind of scheme around that knowing that they're going to play mostly zone, like – play this with half zone hybrid defense and that that's fine like once you've seen it in Jacksonville for I don't know five years or four years or whatever it was and then you've seen it in Seattle on tape and stuff I I think you can kind of scheme around that the guy you can't really scheme around is Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner and Wagner's Mm -hmm. line of scrimmage and for a Titans team that really doesn't thrive passing the ball deep necessarily I mean not not that they're bad at it just that that's not where they're bread buttered so I mean that a guy like Bobby Wagner can really mess up your day unless, you know, you have a power back who can go through him or a speed back who can go around him or something like that. But if you're just average, like, that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Earl Thomas has been really good this year. He looks as good as uh, as he did before he got injured last season. 
Yeah, I mean, he he's their team. Like, Russell Wilson's mm-hmm. great, but they, they go as Earl Thomas goes. Yeah, I agree. What do you guys think about Richard Sherman generally as a player? Do you think he's overrated? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I love Richard Sherman. I've all, Okay, so the thing I love about Richard Sherman that I'm not sure a lot of people do is I love the way he plays the deep ball. Like, he plays – He's almost never going to get beat deep the way he plays because he's always dropping, and he waits for a quarterback to overthrow the ball and let it just hang up in the air, and then he comes down. Like, he almost always – you'll see, like, if he gets eight interceptions in a year, six of them will be from, like, overthrown deep balls. And that's such a deflating thing. Like, having watched Ryan Fitzpatrick be our quarterback for however – for a couple years, like – that deep ball down the sideline getting intercepted is so deflating because, like, when it's in the air, you think it's a chance at a big play, and then you see it break down. I, I've always loved the way he plays that. And, like, I don't think he's as good of a corner as, you know, maybe Patrick Peterson, um, Verrett when he's healthy, who he just went on IR. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Peters, obviously, is my guy. But, you know, I, I think I think he's in, the you know, the top five, six of cornerbacks, and I think he does one thing really well that works in that scheme. I think maybe he's not as athletic as some of the other top guys, um, but his technique and just the way he plays the position is second to none, really, and uh, it's why he's been a, a shutdown corner for the past, like, five years, and he's, he's still a, a, a premier cornerback, although he is getting up there in age a little bit, but he's still... He's still uh, near the top of his game. My one thing about him, though, is, as you mentioned, Will, he's perfect for the scheme that they run. But I think a lot of times fans and even some of the better analysts mistake him for something he's not. They think he's this shutdown corner, and he's not. He's going to play cover three. He's going to drape receivers on the deep ball, and he's going to make interceptions. He's not going to be able to cover Antonio Brown. He's not going to be able to cover a Tyreek Hill. But if he's going against someone like Julio Jones on the right side of the, the offensive lineup, that's someone he can shut down in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely different than uh, than prime Darrell Revis was. Revis would just shadow receivers, just following them around, even if they went to the slot and, and whatnot, and he would just completely just not allow anything really – uh, and then you saw once Revis uh, lost a step uh, towards uh, – once once he started uh, to get towards 30, uh, he was just getting burned on the reg by, like, I don't know, Marquise Goodwin and players like that, um, which was kind of sad to see, to be honest, because Revis was really fun in his prime. But, yeah, yeah. Sherman isn't really um, – isn't that type of shutdown guy where he's just following a player. Uh, he, he plays a specific side, and, and he does it really well. But uh, I don't think you can compare him to – uh, to those players just for the sake of, of comparison's sake. No, I mean, I think they're uh, – I'm not 100% sure it was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was the first guy to expose him, and they put up, like, in two games against Richard Sherman, he had X amount of yards, and it was the first time you saw him lined up on a slot guy a lot, but somebody who is, like, big and dynamic enough to really, you know, do it all and, you know – 
if you played against A.J. Green or somebody like that, like you know that A.J. Green wants to catch the deep ball. Like mm-hmm. He had shut down big play receivers, which was great, but guys like Antonio Brown, shiftier guys, he's, he's not, you know, not going to follow them into the slot and deal with them there. And if he has to, he's in trouble because that's just too – like he does a really good job at using the sideline as his friend and getting deep and, you know, cutting all that off. In open space, he's not, you know, just a star. So, I, I, I mean – I think the game plan is kind of out on how to beat Richard Sherman, but for what he does, like if you are not forced to use him in a way you don't want to, then you're I mean, you're going to get a top five corner. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Seahawks over the off season added Eddie Lacy to try to aid their struggling core of running backs, which has been really bad ever since Marshawn Lynch left. Uh, that signing certainly didn't help. Uh, Thomas Rawls hasn't done anything, and C.J. Prosai uh, has yet to make an impact since returning uh, from his injury. What do you make of their running back situation? Well, they they look like they've found their, their starter now in Chris Carson, who looked really shifty uh, for a big guy in, uh, in the preseason, and he was catching passes pretty well too. Uh, he had a really good game last week against the Niners, uh, which I mean should should come with a grain of salt because the Niners just gave up three touchdowns to Todd Gurley and made him look like the 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 tenth overall pick that uh, we all thought he was. Um, but yeah, Carson went twenty for ninety three last week against the Niners in that game. Uh, really helped them uh, in the second half when their passing game was struggling, um, un- uncomfortable uncomfortably struggling because they've looked terrible uh, on the offensive line and through the passing game, but. It looks like Chris Carson's just their best option right now. Eddie Lacy looks done completely. Uh, he has no explosive. Not that he ever had explosiveness, but he was a, he was a, he was at least an efficient efficient runner, like four to five yards to carry pretty much every time he touched the ball. And he was he was dragging defenders, but he just can't do that anymore. And Thomas Rawls, uh, ever since that late season uh, ankle injury that he had uh, in his rookie season, where he he was really good over the first half of that season. Um, but that ankle injury has sapped all the explosiveness from him. Uh, and I th- honestly think CJ process is overrated. I was, I, I've been watching him this season. He's just, he's, I mean, he's CJ Spiller, <laughs> but like the bad CJ Spiller. Not yeah, the, like not that one bad. year where he was good. <laughs> CJ Spiller 3.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from bust to good to bust again. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a cop out to say, but, behind a really bad offensive line, maybe the worst offensive line in football, it's hard to have any good running backs. I mean, like, Eddie Lacy was definitely not the answer, but at the same time, like, I'm not I'm not sure who could have really shined there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why they signed him. I feel like they should have known that their offensive line just isn't good. Uh, but they keep, I don't know, Tom Cable keeps trying to convince Pete Carroll that, that, he, that he can work with their uh, offensive line miscasts. But uh, that hasn't Dude, been the case. It's to the point where people talk about Justin Britt like he's a star. And I'm like, <laughs> Justin Britt's not a star. He's just the only player you know on that offensive line because everybody else gets cut or left behind the next year. Like, he's just managed just to keep a roster spot. And they, I mean, I think he just got an extension, which always makes people think they're better than they're not. I mean, but – everybody's like Justin Britt. I'm like, that dude was like their worst offensive lineman like three years ago. <laughs> like he, he's not that good, but I mean, people, I mean, 
people are always like, their offensive line isn't that bad. They've got Justin Britt at center and uh, Luke Jokel, who's a good guard. And I'm like, okay, now I know you have not watched them play. <laughs> like, as soon as you bring up, like, Luke Jokel, like, it's like, they've got a first-round pick oh, at left God. guard. I'm like, nope. I'm like, that's just incorrect. He is it's so like, bad. That's, yeah, that's that's skewing a little bit from the point. But at the same time, like, I – so they they also drafted Ethan Posick or Pochick or however you say his name from right. LSU, and I thought he was terrible. Um, but they, they spent a second-round pick on him, and he can't start on that offensive line. When is he going to start? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, they're down to their – yeah, they're down to their sixth offensive lineman. If he was really that good, like a second-round pick should be, what they would have done is they would have put Posick at center and moved Justin Britt out to tackle where he's played some in his career, and that would have been the fix they had. Because uh-huh. you can't go with Adiambo as your left tackle and expect to win a lot of games. Who is and that, if that guy? To, I, I like – I don't know. Like, I like I like I saw him in the preseason, and I was like, "How do you say that name?" And I was like, "Oh, I won't have to know that for long." But they just keep starting him, and so like, I mean, whatever. The the best news they have is they have a guy on their roster named Jordan Ruse, and it's spelled like Michael Ruse, and maybe they're related <laughs> somehow, and it'll that'll pan out. But uh, other than that, like I, I like I would be terrified. Yeah, that is that is a, a bad situation, and they lost George Fant, who was their starting left tackle uh, in the preseason. Who was also a huge question mark. Yeah, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a, the sad state of affairs, really. Mm-hmm. So, a, a big question for the Titans heading into tomorrow is their running back situation, and this is certainly going to stir people up. Uh, we'd love for you to call in and give us your thoughts on the Titans' running back situation at seven six zero five eight seven four zero eight two. That's 760-587-4082. Derrick Henry looked fantastic last week. 14 carries, 92 yards, an average of 6.6 yards per carry. And DeMarco Murray has practiced some this week, but never, not, not once in full because of a lingering hamstring injury. I'm of the belief, and this might shock a lot of people because of how big a fan I am of DeMarco Murray, and what I the things that I said about Henry uh, last week, I think that DeMarco Murray should not play this week. I think they need to sit him, get him 100% healthy, because I still think he's the better running back, but he's not the better running back when he has a lingering hamstring problem. Get him healthy and uh, uh, bring uh, bring Derrick Henry up and let him start against this vaunted Seattle Seahawks defensive front. I, I told my friend this the other day. Just Why, why even risk uh... – putting DeMarco Murray out there when he's less than a hundred percent and risk re-aggravating that hamstring injury, which, which is clearly bothersome and it nags for as long as, as you let it really, unless you let it rest. Um, Derrick Henry's fine. He can, you saw it last week, he can handle load. Uh, And that was only on 14 carries. If he would have gotten five more carries, his day would have been even bigger because tire defenses are literally no match for, for Derrick Henry and our offensive line, which uh, looks to have rebounded after after week one. Um, I mean, I, I love DeMarco Murray. Uh, he's still a huge part of this team. Uh, but we're going to need him healthy for the stretch run uh, because once we're making that playoff push, DeMarco Murray is going to be a huge part of it. Uh, and I'd rather him just be fully healthy for that than not at 100% and just active on <laughs> Plus, uh, David Fluellen is fine as as Derrick Henry's backup going in. So, and we can always uh, call up Kalfani Muhammad off the practice squad. I'll never let it go. 
Um, okay. So I, I have a couple of things about this. So I think we all kind of think the game plan to beat the Seahawks at home in the heat is pound the ball as much as you can, wear out those smaller defensive linemen that they use to pass rush and their smaller linebackers and really make their defensive backfield, you know, borderline ineffective. I think that's a good way to, to kind of summarize the offensive game plan, which is great. Mm-hmm. That, that should be Derrick Henry. But I'm I'm concerned because I don't think he's ever carried the ball more than 17 times in a game. And if you're saying, okay, well, let's just give him 15 carries and then we're going to give 10 carries to Flewellen and then that's 25 carries and Mariota will make up another five. I, I'm okay with that, but I don't think you're going to get much out of Flewellen. I, I think – and I think if you don't get – if you think if you get a negative play out of Flewellen, it makes your offense, you know – sputter because I think this offense thrives on getting two yards on first down three yards on first down whatever but not being in a hole in first down so I mean if you get Bobby Wagner on David Flewellen I think that's just you know your biggest nightmare like you know that's the matchup that happens so like whether it's in pass coverage or whatever so like if Derrick Henry if you can tell me that Derrick Henry is ready for 25 carries a game, which he did in college. I mean, he did that all the time. I think he had a game with 40 or 50 carries at Texas A&M, like (laughs) where he just drug that team to a victory. He and Minka Fitzpatrick. But like you you can sell me on he's ready for that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have no argument against it except the fact that I haven't seen it in the NFL. And until I see things in the NFL, it's hard for me to consider that there's going to be a really good uh, carryover. So, I don't know. If he can hold up for 2025, and he didn't even have to be as good as he was last week. Like, he can just be okay. Like, if he's just, you know, an above-average back behind this offensive line and he can hold up for 25 carries and not, not wear down, I, I have confidence in him. But I'm I'm a little bit concerned until I see it. Yeah, the most carries he's ever gotten in an NFL game is 16 uh, in that uh, in that Thursday night win over the Jaguars. Uh, he got 60 yards. Uh, I mean, the Jaguars knew what was coming because it was a blowout. So I didn't really pay too much attention to the 3.8 yards per carry. I thought he looked fine in that game. Plus, he ran over Jalen Ramsey, which is always a welcome sight. That's uh, like his trademark. <laughs> yeah, right? That's just become... Jalen Ramsey's kind of the punchline at this point, Literally. but um, yeah, we'll we'll see how Henry holds up. Um, I don't think we're just going to be able to run it down the Seahawks' throat. Uh, I know the Niners did last week, um, but Kyle Shanahan's a very adept offensive coordinator at, at uh, finding mismatches uh, within schemes, um, and I'm not sure Terry Robisky is that that good. Uh, yeah, to be completely blunt. <laughs> um, to be fair, so I do. Th- yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I think uh, I think our receivers are going to have to win the win some matchups, uh, particularly uh, Decker and Taiwan Taylor, uh, for us to for us to score some points in this game. And speaking of receivers and hamstring injuries, Demarco Murray is not the only Titan with a lingering hamstring injury, as wide receiver Corey Davis has already been ruled out for this game. He has a lingering hamstring injury still that he got in training camp. Uh, he's not playing. We, we know he's not playing tomorrow, and I have no desire for him to play, quite frankly, until he's 110%. Save him, uh, save him for the playoffs. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, seriously, just just get it right. It, I mean, I think we rushed almost all of our injured guys uh, just to 
to push to get to week one, especially Which with Davis. Which is so Davis. strange considering how like yeah. conservative Malarkey usually is with those kinds of things. Yeah, I don't know if 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 he just let the players do what they want, but um, or he just really wanted to win the the Raiders game. I, I'm really not sure. Um, but Davis needs to rest because he's so valuable to this team. Uh, you saw it in Week One; he caught six six passes for 69 yards, and he was he was probably our best receiver that day. Um, the good news is that we have Taiwan Taylor, who is a baller and dusted AJ Boye last week, which was amazing. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Taiwan Taylor's been the he's been the fastest uh, ball carrier in the NFL this season. So um, hopefully, he can get behind the. And on, on that note, let's backtrack a little bit. The Titans account tweeted out last night that Taewon Taylor is the fastest player in the NFL. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's hold up okay. on that just a little bit. Yeah. Ball they, carrier. They have, Ball they have a pretty solid measurement for this. It's called the 40. So, I mean, until he, like, outruns a healthy John Ross, then or maybe, Tyree maybe Hill he, even. Yeah. Or, like, Chris Johnson now even. Like, But, I mean – it that I don't know. It's them trying to push their uh, advanced stats, so I get it. But at the same time, it's like don't, if you don't say something that like is so easily like disputed, it's just it's all about angles and when you get the ball and if you get it in stride and you know what you you know if you're not pressed off the line of scrimmage, if you don't have to cut, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But having said that, Taewon Taylor is the fastest man alive, so I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> so th- this is interesting. I-, I just saw this on Twitter from uh, the Run Pass Opinion podcast. They said you can start your running, you're, you can start an, a new franchise with one running back, and your choices are Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. And not, not close. Oh. Not close, because I not would say close. Fournette. Oh no! Mm. Super wrong. Okay. Mm. So, okay. Well, go ahead. Go ahead and say why you take Fournette. I, I should let you talk. Well, first of all, I'm slightly biased because Leonard Fournette was like my favorite player in college football back when he was healthy and actually could tear up defenses. And number two, he looked really, really good against the Titans on Sunday. I just think he has much more lateral ability and burst than Derrick Henry is going to be able to have. Hmm. Huh. Um, okay, so when you say he looked really good against the Titans' defense, what do you mean, like, that his three-yard gains looked awesome? Because that's all I hear all week is like, oh, but that was a great three-yard gain. I'm like, you know what it was? A three-yard gain. And I'm like, you know, you can pump it up all you want, but his 40 yards rushing didn't look great at the end of the game. Here's another difference. Uh, Derek Henry is running behind one of the best offensive lines in football, and uh, Leonard Fournette is running behind the offensive line that during the preseason was starting uh, Jeremiah Putasi. That's, and that's fair. That's, that's fair. I mean, Putasi is one of the most underutilized players of all time, so it's tough. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, my, my argument with that is, okay, so take that big Leonard Floyd play, uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, Leonard Fournette play where he got stuffed in the backfield by uh, Cersei and then he, like – countered and went all the way to the other side of the field 
Like, mm-hmm. if he was a really good running back, he would have shed that guy and gone to the outside on his side instead, you know, instead of doing all that other stuff. They, there's little things where his vision is really questionable to me because he knows that he's so tough that in college he could just run through people. And it was like, if I can get past this guy, this guy, and this guy, I can get a touchdown instead of if I can get past this guy, I can get eight yards. And, mm-hmm. and I think you kind of have to adjust. And then – Again, don't quote me on this, but I think they had uh, some sort of metric, like density metric, on uh, Fournette and Henry based on like you know their sizes and how fast they ran and all that. And I I mm-hmm. believe that uh, Henry tested out as the more athletic of the two, and that that may not be true side to side, but it was definitely true going straight ahead and with contact. So I don't know, like. If, if I've got to build an offense right now, running back is the last piece I put on my team. So it it doesn't – it's not really fair to say, like, either guy's going to be building block. Because there is I, – I may be wrong, but I don't think there's a building block running back in the NFL right now. Like, even Ezekiel Elliott, like – I mean, he just had his worst game in his career behind a good offensive line and a run defense that was not great last year. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he's really putting the team on his back all the time. It's kind of like if the offensive line gets a push and, I, you know, I can, I can go on about that later. But my point is, is that I don't know that there's a huge difference between the two in terms of, like, if you dropped them on any team. But I think if I'm building a team, the guy I want is the guy who will fall forward for three or four yards instead of cutting back and getting twisted down by Dory Jackson. Yeah, uh, Henry and Fournette are actually very were similar prospects. Um, there was the discrepancy in in where they got drafted probably should have never happened. Uh, I think Henry got uh, scrutinized for pretty much no reason. I think I, what were they scrutinizing his his footwork or something? I don't know. It, it was I, a joke. I don't know. It was yeah. it was the Brandon Jacobs comparison. Like, right. it was like there had never been a back that was that big. Like, isn't that what it was? Like, because there hadn't been a successful running back of that size, mm-hmm. that, like, like it, it's kind of like what I said. Like, until you see it in the NFL, it doesn't matter. But I mean, even though, even though Brandon Jacobs had two 1,000 yard seasons and he was pretty, yeah. pretty good. And, and but, okay, um, so let, let, think about it like this. If the Jaguars had made the correct decision and drafted uh, Derrick Henry instead of Miles Jack in the second round, um, instead of drafting a backup running back and playing him at linebacker, um, they could have drafted <laughs> Henry last year, and they could have had uh, – and if they don't draft Fournette, these are the guys they could have had. Corey Davis, Jamal Adams, Christian McCaffrey, John Ross, Mahomes, Lattimore. Barnett, Malik Hooker, all, all those guys would have been available for them. But instead, they had to take a running back in the top five because they had nothing else on their offense that worked at all. So, I mean, they could have ended up with Derrick Henry and Patrick Mahomes and been a much better team. You this know, if you tell me – Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that the Cowboys, like, uh, a lot of people still talk about it, that uh, they shouldn't have gone Zeke with the fourth overall pick uh, because they could have gotten Jalen Ramsey um, mm-hmm. for a defense that very much needs uh, one a, a premier cornerback like that. And then second round, they could have just gotten 
uh, Derrick Henry. So that would have been perfect instead of taking Jalen Smith, who uh, who was working back from that uh, knee nerve injury, and uh, and he's still not all the way back. So would you rather yeah. Zeke and Jalen Smith or Derrick Henry and Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, like it, it's it's things like that's why you don't take a running back high. It's because yeah. if anybody's good right underneath it, it's a more valuable position that you're getting that you could have gotten better talent at. Like mm-hmm. we we talked some about Todd Gurley earlier. I mean, Todd. It, so Todd Gurley, let's say he ends up being the leading rusher this year in college fo- or in college in NFL football. Like that's great, but at the same time. Yeah, he's the same guy that he was last year, but the offensive line is better and all the pieces around him are better. If that's what you have to have to be successful in the NFL, you shouldn't be taken with a top five pick. No matter how good you are when everything's great, if you're taken with a top five pick, you have to be a difference maker. You have to be able to cancel out one of the other team's best players or you've got to be able to make impacts on your own. I don't know what running back can even do that at this point in the NFL. and that's why you should take a running back in the top five. I mean, look yeah. at Kareem Hunt. Like, I mean, Kareem Hunt wasn't a first-round pick. I mean, you mm-hmm. find great running backs all the time in the later rounds. Yeah. So, so I, I don't, I don't know. Here's a, but how here's many a list of uh, here's a list of weaknesses uh, of Derrick Henry compared to Leonard Fournette. This is from my Nolan Naraki draft guides. So Derrick Henry's weaknesses. A galloping long strider, very high cut and leggy, almost too tall for the running back position. Is not sudden, lacks home run finishing speed, developing pass protector and receiver, and he he's, has a lot of wear and tear from college. This is what it says about Fournette. Uh, sheer force and violence with which he runs could invite injuries. Seeks to initiate contract that he would, so much that he trips over his own feet. Alabama shut him down. Lacks fluidity as a route runner, uh, has a short ver- vertical jump. The weaknesses really aren't all that similar. I mean, Derrick Henry's weakness was that he was too big for his own good, and Leonard Fournette is that he's too aggressive for his own good. And now when you look at those two running backs in the NFL, it's Leonard Fournette's power that makes him such an asset, combining that with his speed. And with uh, uh, Henry, it's his size combined with the speed that makes it so good. Wasn't Eric Dickerson like the same size as Derrick Henry? Uh, Eric Brown Dickerson, was like, I know he was 6'3". Let me look up his weight. Oh, probably not the same weight. No, I mean, but, I'm sure he wasn't a mountain of muscle like Derrick Henry is. Eric Dickerson was 6'3", 220. Oh, man, that's like a 30-pound difference. Yeah. And uh, Derrick Henry Derek is Henry's three two thirty eight. Yeah. Oh wow. Like, no. Never mind. I kind of wish, like, just for a play, like we'd be blowing out. Uh, I don't know, Indianapolis. Let's say that because I don't. I don't think Frank Gore is going to kill you. And we put in like Derrick Henry at linebacker just to see what it would look like, just to see what he looks like next to the other linebackers, because he's so big. Like, like. <laughs> If everybody mm-hmm. talks about using a Dory Jackson on offense, I want to see Derrick Henry on defense. Great linebacker. <laughs> I'd put him at defense He'd in kill the some end. people. Oh, Dude, yeah, I yeah. would over Kevin Dodd. Ooh, ooh. Who by, let, let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, after Aaron Wallace was placed on injured reserve, which kind of came out of nowhere, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Kevin Dodd 
uh, will be active, presumably, and will get playing time. Uh, Dick LeBeau was quoted by Paul Kaharski as saying, I look forward to watching Dodd play. Wow. Uh, so we will get a, a, a dose. Don't know if it'll be a heavy one, but we will get some sort of dose of, of Kevin Dodd tomorrow. I don't know that's, that's something we want. Um, I mean, the offensive line, Seattle's offensive line might make them look, look like a good second round pick. You never know. But I still Dude. think, uh, Josh Carraway should be, uh, getting the call up instead. Hot Russell take. Wilson's going to put, put Kevin Dodd in a blender. Like, oh my Kevin God. Dodd is going to oh, be completely around. Like, we saw Patrick Mahomes do it. Like, it's it's going to be the same thing. Like, Russell Wilson is going to let like run that fake uh, zone read to the left, and he's going to boot really hard to the right, and it'll be Kevin Dodd's side, and Kevin Dodd will look like he's taking 100 steps and not moving at all. Like, because that's what happens when you lose that angle, is you have to round everything off. So he's going to do that, and then it's going to be, like, a big, like, 27 yard gain and, and it's going to be so frustrating and like I don't know why you don't put in Caraway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but especially in a game like this, even though like yeah. I don't know if it was LeBeau or Malarkey that said they wanted to go after uh, Russell Wilson instead of containing him, uh, which kind of worries me a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, if we're going after him, I don't think Kevin Dodd is is the guy. You know, we need a faster mm-hmm. player just in case Russell Wilson tries to at least scramble which he's going to do behind that offensive line so i'm a little yeah. i'm a little concerned in that aspect this, this may be the only year where i kind of agree with that mentality is like you know russell wilson seeing ghosts in the pocket you know send pressure you try to get guys at his feet and around him instead of trying to contain him and giving him that solid pocket that he can throw from you know mm-hmm. send guys up the middle and then you know, maybe keep one guy to set an edge, but just play a game on the other side, like a tackle-in stunt or something like that. You know, make it really hard on those offensive linemen that haven't gelled yet and make it really hard on him to settle his feet. Mm-hmm. I think I think and, this is uh, interesting. Uh, real quick, I looked up Kevin Dodd in, in the book, and it says that his future is a strong base end, uh, productive pass rusher who wins with quickness, length, strength, and discipline. Uh, this is what I find interesting. It says may require some patience initially, but has large upside. How much you patience are we going to give him? He's twenty-five. Yeah, that's code for he's pretty tall. That's that's exactly that's exactly what that's code for. That's code for he's pretty tall, and he had a bunch of sacks against Alabama. That's all that I mean. I don't know, Kevin. Do- okay, so over the last two years. The Malarkey pick, or the Robinson picks, I haven't liked at the position is. I didn't really like a Dory late. Like I, I wanted us to trade down because I think we could have traded down and gotten a Dory in the second. Um, at the time, I said this. Now I'm, I'm on board. I think John Robinson nailed him. Um, and then I didn't like uh, Kevin Dodd. And then that's that's about the only two picks I've really had an argument with, because Kevin Dodd to me was so stiff and so clearly like a four three guy that when he was healthy he was okay as that base end replacement for Derek Morgan, but I don't know if he's lost all his confidence because uh, Paul Kaharski had that story about him almost retiring uh, this past off season and they you know everybody says it's oh, cliche but it's like what, did you not. Do you know what I'm talking about, Matthias? No, I don't. I don't subscribe to Paul's website. No, oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was before that. It was an ESPN story. Um, 
but it was like he, he was talking about how uh, once he got his injury, he was like, I thought my career was over. Like he, he was like, I thought you know this, that, and other. And then it was back when they were pumping him up, like, before the preseason started. Like, I think he can really be a difference maker. And it came out as, like, a puff piece where he was like, I thought my career was over. And I was like, man, I was like, I hate to hear that because, you know, like I said, the cliche is once somebody thinks about retirement, they're already retired. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Like, once you get it in your head that's like, man, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to make it, it, it's hard to make it back. Like, it rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Like. And nothing would make me, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to get Kevin Dodd, hater, you know, and all that kind of stuff thrown at me. But nothing would make me happier than Kevin Dodd getting 30 sacks, like, tomorrow. Like, I mean, nothing would make me happier. But at the same time, like, I have to just be honest about what I see on the film. And what I see is a guy who'd be much more comfortable as a fourth base end where he didn't have to read, line, read uh, blocks and he could just go upfield and, you know, set the edge. But – that's that's not what they have him doing. They have him, you know, standing with his hands off the ground and kind of half rushing and reading stuff. And he just it's it's not there for him yet. All I ask for of LeBeau, if you're gonna play Kevin Dodd, play him inside. Please don't put him an outside linebacker. It doesn't work, and he's not he's not athletic enough, and he's not fast enough to be a three four outside linebacker. As much as we no. wanna. Want to think he's Jadavion Clowney or whatever? He's not that athletic. Well, he might be Jadavion Clowney. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that's more of an indictment of Jadavion no sacks Clowney than it is on anybody else. Like, I mean, <laughs> what does Clowney have? Ten career sacks? Something like that in know. four years? Let me look it up. Like. I mean, I think Dodd is only nine sacks below Clowney, and Clowney has a three-year head start on him. So, I mean, when you look at it like that, it doesn't seem as crazy. But um, I want to talk some about the defensive line, you know, whenever we get there. Because I've I've got not a strong take, but a take that I think we need to talk about. Okay. What is it? Well, okay. (laughs) Is our best defensive line – Daquan Jones at nose tackle, Austin Johnson at defensive end, and Casey at the other defensive end. Like it seems pretty clear when I go back and watch it. Like that that seems like the best success the team has. Like Sylvester Williams, they paid money to, and so he's going to stay on the roster. I get that, but you don't have to start him. And you know, LeBeau and Malarkey have done a really good job of when they bring people in and they just don't fit. They don't force it. You know, it's not. It's not Jeff Fisher where he's like, I'm going to play the older guys and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. It's If there's a younger guy better than you, I'm going to play him. If there's a guy who's an undrafted free agent and you're a first-round pick, I'm going to play him. You know, th- they do a good job on that. So, I, I think the base package has to be that front line. And I think if you put that front line out there, they're a top 10 to 12 unit because I, ju- I just think those guys are that good right now. Our front seven was already good uh, last year. Uh, they were really good in run defense. Uh, maybe the pass rush wasn't as good, but uh, uh, but they were a good unit. And uh, I think Daquan Jones has kind of exceeded my expectations so far this season. Uh, I didn't love him going in. I thought he was just just a guy, really, just like an Angelo Blackson type of player. Um, yeah. But he's been he's been pretty good this season. And Austin Johnson's uh, uh, showing off a little bit uh, early in the season, which makes my my heart warm because 
because I'm the president of his fan club. Uh, but uh, Naquan true. Jones uh, might have to join the might have to join the hive. Mm. <laughs> I I mean, like Daquan Jones kind of has that Derek Morgan to him, where like the first time I saw him, I was like, I'm not sure this guy's worth it. And then like the next year, I'm like, oh, this guy's better. And then he just keeps getting better and better mm-hmm. to the point where you know. At times, it looks like Derek Morgan and Brian Rackpo are like complete equals. Like the way you know the way they can get back to the passer when they're like both going and get that angle. Like I still think Rackpo's better, but you know if you dropped him in a vacuum right now, I, I'm not sure that I would guess that because of how both games went. Like the Oakland game, Morgan was clearly better. The Jacksonville game, Rackpo is better. Like which which is what you need from your edge players, but. You know, I, I think that's a testament to how far Derek Morgan's come from when, mm-hmm. you know, when they signed uh, Javon Hurst when he was about to retire. People thought he might take Derek Morgan's job. Yeah, and Derek Morgan's got two sacks in two games, so he's uh, going for the going for the crown. Watch out! Watch out, guys. That's right. <laughs> So uh, let's let's go to the the Twitter question that we got yesterday, uh, and you mm-hmm. can send us a Twitter question right now by tweeting us at Titan underscore sized. You can call into the show seven six zero five eight seven four zero eight two, and the question is: Why do you think the Titans tried to feature Decker to start last week's game over Taywan Taylor? Do we expect this to change this week? Well, first of all. Um, I remember Mike Keith saying in the radio broadcast that they that uh, Malarkey told him they were going to try to feature Eric Decker last week. And I think that Eric Decker is still very talented, even coming off of his injury. It's just going to take some time for him to get into the offense or, and for them to figure out what kind of, of situations and routes fit him best in their offense. They haven't really used him in the red zone yet, which is what he was said uh-huh. to be the best at when, when the Titans signed him. So I think Eric Decker will have a big role tomorrow, but obviously with the fact that we know Corey Davis is done, uh, look for a preseason type of performance from Taewon Taylor, where they're constantly feeding him the ball, trying to get him the ball in space. I think Taylor is in maybe not for a big game tomorrow, but he's going to get a lot of targets and he's going to get a lot of looks. Yeah. So the first part of that question, um, they try to feature Decker on uh on the first drive. And then I don't think he, he caught a pass after that, maybe one. Um, but I think it, it was because mostly because of matchup uh, because the Jaguars have two good boundary cornerbacks uh, and their slot cornerback uh, is how to attack them really. Uh, so Decker should have been probably more targeted. Uh, and I think they kind of just wanted to get him going because he hasn't been able to, he, he was not good in the, in the Oakland game. Uh, and he just looks kind of, I don't, I don't know, old and slow maybe at this point. Um, but I still believe in him. I actually think he's going to have a pretty good week this week. Um, I, w- I want to see him on some seam routes, you know. We haven't really been targeting him on, on, those, kinds of, on those kinds of pass plays, um, probably because we have Delaney Walker, so we don't really have to, to go to Decker uh, in that area of the field. But, um, yeah, I do think he's going to have a good game. And as for Taiwan, we already know how good he is. Uh, this will be a really good test. Uh, for him, uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of touches, whether it's uh, in the backfield on sweeps or just straight up carries, or if it's on on normal pass plays. Um, I do think he's going to going to see a good amount of of catches, probably probably around uh, five. 
Uh, and hopefully we go deep, deep to him a couple of times, see if, uh, see if he could beat the Seahawks secondary with his speed. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the Seahawks give up like the second most catches to the slot. So I think both of them are in for a big game. Um, I think it'll be all situational. For for whatever reason, the Titans clearly like using Eric Decker as like a first down, you know, as like a third down guy to focus on in the slot, you know, and a situational football guy. I, I think it must be something they see in practice and they saw all through preseason and they, they're just so confident that he can do it. And when he doesn't do it, it's just an indictment of his health. So I think that'll kind of continue to be his role. But, you know, I think we may see a split like Eric Decker gets seven targets for five catches in the slot for, mm-hmm. you know, 40, 50 yards. Like not, not any big chunk plays, but then I think you could see Taewon Taylor line up in the slot and get three targets for 60 yards. I mean, I think that's how they'll try to use him is like a big gashing, you know, threat versus a chain mover, you know, somebody who can box somebody out, kind of, kind of like Brandon Marshall. Not, not necessarily how he is this year because he hadn't been that way, but how he should have fit in that Giants offense, where Odell and Sterling Shepard were the athletic, you know, playmaking type receivers, and Marshall was supposed to be the chain mover. Um, I think that's kind of how they view Eric Decker. I'd like to see uh, the Titans use Taiwan Taylor. Uh, like the Packers used Randall Cobb in in the yeah. in the first week, uh, mm-hmm, because yeah. Cobb was racking up receptions. I think nine for eighty five. Um, they just got him on those on those short routes, uh, but they gave him time and space to uh, to do something after the catch. And Cobb Cobb was their best receiver that game. So uh, I'd like to see the Titans use Taiwan like that. And after the injury to Corey Davis, uh, Eric Weems essentially became the number four receiver, and we all know that's not very good. So uh, they they signed wide receiver Zach Pascal from the practice mm-hmm. squad. I don't really remember anything about him from camp or the preseason. Uh, I, I want to ask this. Who is the number four receiver right now? In my opinion, the number four receiver right now is Delaney Walker, and, and then Johnny Smith would just move in and play yeah. tight end. I don't think Zach Pascal is going to get much playing time this week. I was going to say Johnny Smith is just the de facto number four receiver. Um, so considering the state of the of the wide receiver position for us, um, I think we're just going to go heavy and just try to pound Derrick Henry. Uh, whether it works or not, we'll see. Uh, but I think that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but- I, I I would probably put Delaney Walker as like our number two receiver. I mean, like if I'm if I'm like if I'm talking about guys like the first guy I'm splitting out is Rashard Matthews and the second guy is Delaney Walker. Like that that's just where I'd use him. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we go like that, you know, if we go double twins, I think it's probably Rashard and Eric Decker on one side and uh, Delaney and Taewon outside. Like, I think that's how you'd want your boundary players to work, having Taewon and Richard on the boundary and Decker and uh, Delaney in the slot. I think they brought – you know, and I think it was Kaharski or somebody who said that Pascal is supposed to be a good special teams player. What I'm hoping happens is the logical solution to this whole thing, which is you take Taewon Taylor off special teams – 
and you put this Pascal kid on special teams, or you put a defensive back there, and then you just use Taewon Taylor on offense. You you know you take the snaps that you would have given to Corey Davis, and you supp- you divide them between uh, Eric Decker and Taewon Taylor instead of bringing in Eric Weems at all. Like the solution is you just take uh, Taewon Taylor off special teams, and there you go. So that that's what I would think makes the most logical sense, but who knows? Or or hear me out here. Play a Dory Jackson on offense. <laughs> He's the fifth receiver. Yeah. Will, hey, Will, I mean, Will, you're, Will, you're turning into a robot on us right now. <laughs> Classic. Uh, my let me say give me give my two cents worth on that idea. When it came out that they the Titans could consider using uh, a Dory on offense at some point, if you line up and you've got a Dory Jackson in the backfield, that screams to the defense something's up. So yeah. I think more than anything, if you're going to use him on offense, it needs to be as a decoy. I mean, like uh, yeah. hand him the ball and throw it back to Marcus, and Marcus throws downfield like a, a modified flea flicker almost. Because if you're going to try to throw him a, like a jet sweep or something like that, it's just not going to work because – the defense says, oh, my goodness, if Dory Jackson is on the field, all eyes on him. Also, I think when they said that they would use him on offense, I don't think they expected him to be a, a near full-time player on defense and also also as a returner because he, he really he's really doing everything right now. So mm-hmm. I'm not expecting him to, to actually be be used on offense. But, I mean, you never know. When you play a, a team, a defense like the Seahawks, you have to, to bring out all the stops, really, and maybe uh, we get – very exotic this week. You never know. Yeah, I mean, like, you would like to think there's some package where just a speed package where Taewon, Adori, and Mariota are all in the backfield together just to screw with the linebackers and, you know, then have Henry go in motion and see how the linebackers play that and then, you know, figure out some cool way to do it. But then again, like, that's not what I expect from Robisky. Like, I expect Robisky to, like, call a tight formation and then not do anything clever you know and if it works it works I I don't have a problem you know if you run tight formation and you get 10 yards of carry out of it run it forever I don't care but creativity is not something that he has necessarily in spades right now Mm -hmm. I agree well we've got about a six and a half minutes left before we wrap up this show so uh, we'll close with a Titans topic, but before we get to that, uh, who is someone across the NFL that has stood out to you so far as being really, really good? Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs are really good. Uh, the, the Patriots are really good. Who's someone that stood out to you guys so far? Uh, I think the Broncos have been yeah have been a really good team. I, I really was not expecting them to uh, to be at least as good on offense. I wasn't expecting C.J. Anderson to – to look as fantastic as he does out of the backfield. Uh, Trevor Simeon looks like a pretty, I mean, I, I didn't hate him. I, I didn't hate him last season. I didn't think he was that bad, uh, but he looks even more improved uh, than last year. Uh, and their defense is, is almost in, in 20, 2016, 2015 form. Uh, they still have those quarterbacks. Uh, they're not as good. I guess uh, on run defense as they used to be, although they did just hold Zeke to eight carries on uh, eight yards on nine carries, which was which was very surprising. But 
they look really good. They look like a playoff team for sure. Uh, and I, w- I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I mean, somebody I didn't think would be good at all, but who have kind of found a way to be so dominant on one side of the ball that it doesn't matter is the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens mm-hmm. are so suffocating on defense, and they get turnovers and an amazing. I think they have seven takeaways, or maybe that's just interceptions. Like they, like they're just destroying people right now without an offense. I mean, they've got they they've got Marshall Yonda gone for the season, which will be huge. But right now, like if you can't score like two touchdowns on any defense in the league, then you're not going to beat them. Because I mean, I'm not sure that they're not the best defense in the NFL right now. I mean, mm-hmm. their run defense is just a nightmare to play against, and they're so opportunistic on the back end. It's it's got to make you like kind of clam up every time you play them. So, I mean, I'm glad we only have to play them once, and we're not in their division. But and and maybe by then they'll get exposed. But I did not expect them to be a two and O team right now. I uh, I talked about them a little bit after the draft because I loved what they did uh, in the draft, especially on defense. Uh, they drafted two really good. Um, two high potential uh, outside linebackers in Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams. Uh, They drafted Chris Wormley out of Michigan on the defensive line. And then they got Marlon Humphrey uh, in the first round who I didn't really love, but I mean, maybe he'll be good. Uh, And they also got, um, got Tony Jefferson, who's one of my favorite safeties uh, in the off season. So that defense is, is legit good. Yeah. I mean, and somebody said like that they spent like, don't, don't don't quote me on this, but I'm I'm thinking something like four of their last five like third round picks on defense, and all of them are like ending up playing now. Like it's guys that are like rotational guys and like slowly impact players, but it's like something about their day two picks have been like dedicated to defense, and I mean uh-huh. it shows up like it, they're they're not like weak. It, I would say they're weaker at cornerback than people understand, but their safeties are so good and their inside linebackers are so like versatile. Uh, I mean, Mosley can help all around, uh, you know, uh, it's just hard to do anything. I mean, they put you in predictable situations and on rundowns. They can stop you on pass downs. They can stop you and they can get you in those just by, you know, playing solid defense. So it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. For sure. Last Titans, what's the key to winning the game tomorrow? Last week we talked a lot about how they needed to run and make Blake Bortles throw the football. They were able to do both of those things, and they won the game handily because of that. I think something that the two most important things this one have to keep Russell Wilson contained. I don't care if you do it by blitzing. I don't care if you do it by leaving a spy. You have to keep him contained. When these two teams last faced off, he contained and he ran wild defense. You got to keep Russell Wilson contained. And, and number two, I think, is um, again because Seattle's defense is incredible. And if you're having to throw it around the yard, you're not going to be able to because they have two sideline to sideline linebackers and three All Pros in their secondary all around the yard defense. You have to establish a running game and work on play action. Yeah, uh, my key to the game is just uh, put up points uh, through the air. Uh, don't settle for field goals. Um, you're going to have to throw the ball to, to win this game. Um, I, somehow the 49ers almost won the game with Brian Hoyer throwing for 99 yards last week. 
which was shocking. Um, but yeah, if we can't get can't get anything going on the ground, uh, which I think we could get some going, but really not not going to be able to dominate on the ground. I think the receivers have to win their matchups uh, in the passing game, and Mariota has, has to hit them uh, for at least a touchdown or two uh, in order to get uh, in order to come out with a win. I mean, I think it's all on the interior of both lines. So on offense, it's Klein, Spain, and uh, and uh, Ben Jones getting up to that second level, sealing off those pass rushers that play three tech. You know, doing those things that you know you don't notice until they're a problem. I mean, doing the dirty work. You know, on that uh, Derrick Henry run, it was Ben Jones getting up to the second level and really no, like sealing off the nose and stuff that really made that 17-yard touchdown run pop for the Titans. It, it, it was the key. Uh, <coughs> sorry, it was the key to that whole play. You know, and they've got to do the same thing this week on defense. It's guys like Austin Johnson and Jarrell Casey and. Uh, Daquan Jones all beating their guys, beating an inferior Seattle offensive line and making plays that way. Like, I, I think Derek Morgan and Brian Rackpo are going to do their thing. I think Taylor Lewan and Conklin are going to do their thing. If the guys in the middle on both side, on both lines can do their job, I, I think this team will be in good shape. Guys, it's been fun. We should do this again sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, get more questions next time. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, fans. <laughs> That's it for us. Uh, Titans Seahawks tomorrow at an, a unique time for the Titans. It's the three o'clock game on Fox. We will be back uh, on Tuesday to recap that game on the podcast. That won't be live. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this has been the first ever edition of Titan Size Live. Uh, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. We're signing off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.